Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Peace, brothers and sisters. Welcome to all the places we've been. I'm your host, Annette Sinkita L., uh, waiting for our co-host, Mr. Keith and Brother Aries. And uh, lines will be open uh, shortly after we get kicked on. I'm going to uh, start with a little clip from uh, Brother Malcolm X. in the faith of all of his followers. But actually, uh, despite the fact that I tried to protect the Muslim movement, if you notice, they uh, use their newspaper to slander me and to label me as a hypocrite and uh, as a rebound. And Mr. Muhammad himself said that I defect. Well, in reality, I never even left the Muslim movement. They put me out. And they put me out because of what I knew. And what I knew was told to me by Mr. Muhammad's son, uh, Wallace Muhammad himself. They put me out and they out. Well, now, first of all, let's find out what it is that Wallace Muhammad, Elijah Muhammad, the son, told you. Well, uh, number one, if you notice, the, the stick that I always used in presenting, representing, and defending the Muslim movement was the fact that it had the ability, the ability to reform the morals of the so-called Negro community. It eliminated drug addiction, alcoholism, uh, fornication, adultery, loose sex, sexual behavior, which meant that uh, I eliminated bastard babies and children. Well, as long as I knew that this was what it represented and it gave me a strong stick, I could represent it and defend it. But uh, we had a law which uh, meant, which was that uh, whenever any uh, Muslim became involved in any kind of sexual relationship with someone to whom they weren't married, that person would be brought before the Muslim community, humiliated, and then isolated for from one to five years. This was our law. Well, uh, in 1954, a teenage sister left Detroit and became one of Mr. Muhammad's personal secretaries. And uh, there in the Chicago office, she became pregnant after being there for a year. And... Uh, before the Muslim community and humiliated and isolated. And uh, a, year, a year later, another secretary, this time one from uh, Lansing, Michigan, uh, came to Chicago. She also became, she was from the community uh, and humiliated and isolated. And because the other person was never brought forth during this uh, court, it was uh, concluded by all of Mr. Muhammad's followers that it was a non-Muslim who was the other party. Well, we grew so rapidly until that in 1957 or 58, the uh, secretarial staff was expanded to, I think, eight teenage sisters. In 1959, six of them did. Two of them reappeared in Philadelphia about two or three months later, and they were all right. Uh, the other four reappeared in 1960. All four of them had babies. All four of them had uh, 
become involved with someone and become pregnant and had these children. So it was, uh, from what I now know, when the four of them got back to Chicago and began to compare notes, they found that the same man had told all of them the same story and had made all of them pregnant. And was the father of all the and had also been the father of the ch children brought forth by the two secretaries who preceded them. So this story was kept among these sisters until 1962. Two of them rebelled uh, against uh, the person who was responsible and began to carry all over the city of Chicago. It caused many problems in the Chicago. Go back out in the street. And uh, I had thing about it was 1963 when Mr. Muhammad's son, who had been in prison, out, and he was a minister. He was very religious and spiritual. And when he began to hear these rumors to one of the sisters, and the sister admitted to him that the rumor was true, and uh, it was he who first about it. And when he told me about it, I, took, I wrote to Mr. Muhammad and told him about it, and he admitted that he had a knowledge of it and that uh, he'd given me a religious explanation that would fit into prophecy. So I was quiet. And it wasn't until October of 1963 that it came up again. And when it came up again, I heard that the same person who had uh, other sisters pregnant was still busy doing the same thing. He hadn't stopped. Two of the sisters had two children by the same man. And one of, the two, one of those two sisters was pregnant still, getting ready to have a third child by the same man. So when it was known uh, among the Chicago officials of this, they became very fearful. They became very antagonistic toward me, and they, tried, they, had, they had to do something to diminish the authority that I had for fear that if this became public knowledge, the followers would leave the Muslim follow me. And it was at that time that they used the statement that I made against President Kennedy as a pretext to cut my authority and uh, some other things happened that finally uh, produced the split or forced the split. And when I made the split, the only way to make this split, I knew the implications and I, I felt that if the uh, Muslims who were in the uh, Nation of Islam knew it, that which enabled them to be so strongly religious and, uh, would be shattered and cause all of them to go right back and start doing the things that they had been doing previously. Who is the father of all of these various children whom you have enumerated? Uh, the first one to tell me who the father was was Wallace Muhammad. He told me that the father was Elijah Muhammad himself. One of the sisters, took, uh, he went to the home of one of the he walked in the door. She said, I want to let you see something. And she, uh, her child, she said, here's your brother. And your father is the one, your father is the father of this child. And then I questioned the sisters myself because I was shook up. And they admitted to me that Elijah Muhammad was the father of their children. And I took it to him. And it was at that time he told me that he Muhammad, the prophet, and that Muhammad wives, he also, he was David. He was the modern David. And that he, that he was the modern, and that he, he was meant, it was meant for him to fulfill today all of the things that they did back then. And of these illegitimate children did he father with the sisters? Well, he made uh, six sisters. Pregnant. They all had children. Two of those six had two children. Uh, 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 one of those two is having right now. Sister, who is supposed to be in Mexico right now, and she's having a child by. For one thing, when you first separate from your wife, it's a physical separation, but it's not psychological. You still have feelings for her, and you protect her. Uh, but after the physical separation has taken place for a while, it becomes a psychological separation. 
It was the same way with me in the Muslim movement. When I first had the physical, my feeling was still there. And it was only after my trip uh, into the Muslim world and, and my pilgrimage to Mecca that I really was able to uh, exercise the objective approach to it that enabled me that something had to be done to bring this to light. Otherwise, a whole people would be killed needlessly. Well, these revelations that you are now making about Elijah Muhammad, what if they follow? Well, I very much doubt that any of his followers who really uh, are aware of what he has done would continue to follow him. Uh, he may try and justify it by saying that he's a Muslim, a Muslim, and that a Muslim has a right to these wives. If this were the case, he, these sisters should not have been humiliated. These sisters have been looked upon for the past years or six years or seven years uh, being guilty of having committed uh, fornication. They have been debased. They have been degraded. I have heard he, I have heard him himself refer to them as having disgraced him. So if they were his wives, he should have given them a position of respect so that all of his followers would respect them and that they would have, his, have the protection of his followers today. Well, you then now should take over the leadership of the black Muslims. No, I have no desire to take over the leadership of the black Muslims, and I have never had that desire. But I do have this desire. I have a desire to see the Afro-American in this country get the human rights that are his due. I believe that the Islam religion is the best religion for our people because it creates unity and it gives one uh, dignity, confidence, uh, and all of these things necessary to make a complete thing. Are you not, perhaps, afraid of what might happen to you as a result of making these revelations? Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. I probably am a man already. Well, I got it.
Peace, brothers and sisters. Yeah, that was uh, Janelle Monet and Wonderland. Hell, you talking about? Uh, the first clip was uh, from an interview with uh, Malcolm X, and sounds like uh, I forget this guy uh, used to do the 60-minute segment. And uh, peace to uh, our caller in Cali. I think I know who that is. I don't know if you want anybody to know your name anyway. Uh, peace. Uh, yeah, the music is sometimes uh, hard to come through here because we can't, uh, I don't know if we haven't figured out how to uh, load uh, audio onto uh, this format and uh, have it ready. So anyway, uh, I'm just like playing it open air. But uh, most of y'all knew that tune, and hopefully you can hear the uh, first clip with Malcolm and uh uh, Dan, I think it's Dan Rather. Dan Rather? Yes, Dan Rather. Dan Rather, okay. How are you? Peace. Peace. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I remember, hmm. Oh, I think it was, uh, when Betty Shabazz had her first public appearance meeting with Farrakhan right before the the first Million Man March, which was 1995. Uh, I'm not sure how uh, how early that was before that, but I know uh, they were basically advertising and people were donating money or at least uh, his brother uh, Rock Newman had the fight promoter had donated some money for the Million Man March and also to the uh, widow and the family of uh, Malcolm X El Hodge Malik El Shabazz and uh, basically at that time, one of Malcolm's daughters, Betty Shabazz's daughters, was being accused of trying to assassinate Farrakhan. And so uh, she was facing charges, and so he apparently... Step forward in his gracious manner in order to uh, try to offset what was being done to her. So there was a large gathering that was at the Apollo Theater, a real showcase moment where people came and gave speeches and skinned and grinned and when it first started <clears throat> you could uh sister Betty Shabazz sitting in the balcony next to Farcon's wife and I don't know if he has any other wives but 
the wife that he usually presents most of the time, she was there and sitting, uh, you know, basically almost side by side. And honestly, Betty Shabazz did not look happy, okay? Okay. She did not really seem to really want to be there. It was only because her daughter was in trouble that she made this appearance and it was supposed to be like a a reconciliation of sorts, which I guess leads to the whole idea of atonement being the uh, focus of the first Million Man March. Now, that was 1995, and before then, in between then, and now, we've seen, we've heard Minister Farrakhan, other members of the Nation of Islam, people who were members of the Nation of Islam when Malcolm was there, because at this date and time, and after Elijah Muhammad had passed in 1975, there's been different entities that have gone under the name of the Nation of Islam. So who is the real Nation of Islam? I don't know, on a, on a legal matter in terms of uh, how the organization I don't exactly think that it would be a part, anything that exists today could be considered a part of what existed while Elijah Muhammad was alive. And I'm not saying those who follow or consider themselves to be followers of Elijah Muhammad uh, who possibly adhere to uh, the teachings of Elijah Muhammad, but I'm saying the actual legal aspect of what was the Nation of Islam before and whatever entity that popped up after Elijah Muhammad's uh, death. I know Farrakhan was uh, really uh, one of the latecomers, I guess, in that whole effort. Uh, there was a brother, and I don't know if he's, he's still alive or whatever, <clears throat> named Silas Muhammad, who... Uh, took the name, the Nation of Islam, and basically uh, purported to be following the teachings of Elijah Muhammad. Many people who were in the Nation of Islam uh, during the life of Elijah Muhammad, some of them had become uh, disenchanted with the direction 
that uh, Elijah Muhammad's son, who had uh, uh, took over after his father had passed, and some people weren't happy with the direction that he took. And a lot of that was basically partly because, I guess, part of what was the teachings was the white man was the devil, and it seemed that that was not anymore a part of the rhetoric that was being espoused by that particular community, which had evolved into uh, what was called the world community of Islam, I believe, before becoming the American Muslim mission. And what was uh, called the Muhammad Speaks newspaper had became the Bilalian News, and uh, uh, I believe there's another name that uh, exist today for that particular newspaper that stems from uh, that path of uh, Waris D. Muhammad. Now, there's a lot of, I guess, things for those who were never a part of the Nation of Islam who won't or probably missed, didn't see, didn't know about certain things, so they take certain things for granted. And uh, myself, at the time uh, Elijah Muhammad was alive, I had an uncle and an aunt who was in the Nation of Islam, and uh, my cousins, I guess, I don't even know if they really went or whatever. I never really talked to them. I was pretty young at the, at the time, but uh, uh, that my uncle was in the Nation. And uh, I tried to talk to uh, – he, he's since passed on, and uh, – my aunt had, uh, I had talked to her trying to uh, get a little recollection of uh, some of the things that went on, you know, during the time uh, her and my uncle was there. And then I also have a, another cousin who uh, is from uh, another side of my family who was in the Nation of Islam. So, uh <clears throat> I have a little, you know, background in regards to that. And then my own introduction in 1976, which was uh, during the time of Warathim Muhammad. And uh, there was, at the time I came in, what was called the first resurrection. And at that time period after Elijah Muhammad, 
being called the second resurrection. And so there were a lot of people and before Elijah Muhammad had passed, I recall while living in Brooklyn, uh, seeing uh, steak and takes restaurants, which uh, were popular around New York City area. There were several of them that uh, existed. Uh, I think there was at least three of them in Brooklyn that I can remember offhand, and uh, at least probably one, and I know there was the uh, what was called a salon restaurant, which was uh, downstairs from the uh, from the mosque on 116th Street, and uh, there was also a market that uh, was downstairs on 116th Street, a barbershop, and a bakery. And also in Brooklyn, uh, I'm not sure how those bakery. There was a bakery. Well, let me see. There was actually neighborhood bakery. I'm not exactly sure when they started, but they made bean pies and they had carrot cake, carrot pies, uh, squash pies. Uh, and uh, there was another brother who had a bakery that was uh, across the street from Kings County Hospital. Uh, and I think, I'm not sure if that one actually existed uh while Elijah Muhammad was alive. Seems like it opened up uh, uh, after that 1976 period uh, that I came in. But my point is there was uh, numerous businesses. Uh, There was also a warehouse that uh, bought in a lot of the uh, whiting H&G Whiting fish, headed in H&G, they used to call it, fillets and uh, with the bones that was uh, being imported from Peru. And different uh, entertainers who were popular on the music scene, uh, became a part of the uh, Nation of Islam, some of them, from Cooling the Gang, uh, Brother Ronald Bell, and uh, Cool, his brother, were members of the Nation of Islam, and probably a few others, uh, I don't know, but I don't think all of the members in Cooling the Gang were uh, members but they did make an album called Light of the Worlds, and uh, that was an album that talked about uh, Here Comes the Fruit Man, and I think they even had another song that spoke about the uh, whiting H&G. And uh, I think uh, 
I don't know if all or perhaps one of uh, the five stair steps, who I think were from out of Chicago, uh, which was a popular group who had the song uh, Uchao, uh after I think the five stair steps had kind of dissolved. And I, and I don't know, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but... Uh, I don't know if uh, they had any involvement uh, with the nation uh, prior to Elijah Muhammad's uh, passing. Uh, Also, Joe Tex, who was uh, popular, who had a song, I Gotcha, and uh, a song about uh, skinny legs and all. Uh, I ain't going to bump no more with no big fat woman. and uh, he kind of uh, put his music to the side somewhat in order to participate in the Nation of Islam. And uh, from one of the uh, that I've seen who posts videos, his brother named Lance Shabazz, had a, had a pretty nice collection of uh, quite a few videos uh, talking about some of the people and some of the history of the Nation of Islam. Uh, in Chicago, there was, uh, I think actually there was uh, in the Salon restaurant that was in Harlem at 116th Street was called the Salon East. And then there was another restaurant in Chicago that was called the Salon West. I don't know. I don't know what uh, was going on out in uh, L.A. They may have had one. I don't know, uh, but I think Chicago might have been where the Salam West was. And uh, often uh, Chicago would be referenced as being called Mecca, and New York sometimes being Medina. Uh, uh, the newspaper, there was a uh, newspaper factory plant that was in Chicago and uh, supposedly farmland and uh, some tractor-trailer trucks that delivered uh, the newspapers. I remember when the newspapers used to come in and brothers who was at the mosque or people would ask people to be there when the truck comes in because you wanted to get the the news hot off the press and also to help unload the truck because a lot of those papers had, you know, they came in bundles. So it was like a 100 in each bundle. And people who paid for the papers would, you know, basically either sell the papers and some people <laughs> at one point people had to buy papers. It was mandatory to buy the paper. But when I came in it wasn't mandatory but we would buy papers and take them out on the street and travel from city to city, uh basically selling the paper and sometimes going to people's houses 
who might have had some newspapers uh, stacked up in their uh, garage or in their closets or in their attics, and we take those old papers because we felt there was uh, information in there that was still good, and we just take donations as we traveled, and that helped us to have expenses to travel from city to city and to have meals and so forth and to purchase more papers. So anyway, a lot of the glitter and glamour of that era during Elijah Muhammad's lifetime that attracted a lot of people because they felt some things were being built and people had a desire to come together because they wanted something better for our people. And so many people were attracted based on that. And that was part of my incentive to come into the nation of Islam at that time, 76, which wasn't called a nation of Islam, but it was a part of that legacy. And so a lot of the information that we have today, the the knowledge about uh, Malcolm X, Al-Hajj Malik al-Shabazz, wasn't known to a lot of people. I know one of the first books that I read was the autobiography of Malcolm X, which my mother uh, gave to me while I was in high school. And that was one of the first books that really had me glued to it, not wanting to put it down and really reading it from cover to cover. And actually, I think I might have had even... uh, read it more than more than once <clears throat> but the story was so compelling and so uh identifiable with the existence of young brothers growing up in uh the urban areas throughout this country you immediately identify with the character of Malcolm X, which is not a fictional character, but this was his life. And many of us went through a lot of the same experiences to evolve into wanting something for our people more than getting high, more than partying, more than being with women, a whole bunch of women, and more than uh, trying to just want some money and calling yourself hustling. And part of what was the, I guess, bait, I'm going to call it bait and not saying it in a disrespectful manner, but just to kind of get an idea of people being attracted to the nation of Islam, part of what was said was that 
you would have the opportunity to meet people from all over the world and acquire wealth and homes in peace. Now, I may not be saying it verbatim, but that's pretty much kind of the gist of what attracted a lot of people to the nation of Islam. There was uniformity. There was an organization because brothers had uniforms. They had a paramilitary formation with sergeants, lieutenants, captains, and I, I don't know. I believe there were sergeants. I'm not, I, I don't recall hearing a lot about sergeants, but I know lieutenants, captains, supreme captains, the supreme minister, you know, titles like that. Uh, so there was uh, uniformity and drills that were performed that uh, exhibited the unity and the, uh, how would you say it, the the unison of movement and uh, performing steps. The sisters had, some of them had the MGT, also a uh, paramilitary uh, formation, and I believe they had captains and lieutenants also, and they had uniforms and hats that resembled uh, military-type hats. And so uh, they also had classes for the women and they were called the MGT, Muslim Girl Training. And not exactly sure why it would be called MGT. I guess, I don't know, maybe that was a more catchy word than MWT or Muslim Woman Training. And perhaps, I don't know, I guess if uh, a sister came to a certain age, then she... uh, had to go through that MG, MGT training. Uh, now, for those who are listening, you, you're welcome to chime in if you have any questions or comments. Uh, you know, this is not meant to be a monologue. And uh, let me uh, just give the number for those who I imagine that if people can hear well, I guess you can hear it through the through the website uh also and uh possibly have uh the ability to hear but not uh necessarily know that you can call in, but you're welcome to call in. The number is area code seven two four 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 seven four 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 and the Call ID number is 138713 with the pound sign uh, if you uh, would like to call in. And uh, 
So that was uh, part of that early history. And so through the changing of guards with uh, War of D. Muhammad taking on the uh, leadership of the total national community, Muslim community, that was all affiliated, uh, there were changes that people were on the West Coast as ministers were sent to the East Coast. There was a brother named Ali Rashid, uh, who was the minister of the mosque that had been renamed uh, from Temple Number 7 to Mount Jabaz. And uh, she was from Los Angeles originally. And so uh, Minister Farah, who had been the minister, had been uh, removed from a particular temple and called to be a part of the ministers who were in Chicago and all going to Chicago uh, one week and visited the uh, <clears throat> the temple in Chicago that uh, Elijah Muhammad had uh, basically acquired and uh, I think initially it had been uh, maybe a, a Greek church or temple or something or whatever, but uh, it had been converted into a mosque, and uh, that was all part of the properties under the ownership, the conglomerate called the Nation of Islam. And uh, I guess part of what happened to Elijah Muhammad passed was that those in the family, he had a large family, children, grandchildren, with Sister Clara Muhammad. Then, in addition, uh, the clip I just played was talking about seven different children who were fathered by Elijah Muhammad, but were not uh, <clears throat> formally introduced as wives. And as uh, Malcolm had stated in the clip I played, that Wardin Muhammad was the one who basically had first told him about uh, some of these children with former secretaries who were secretaries of Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, who had been suspended or uh, 
exiled from the nation of Islam because they were pregnant and were not married. Now, I'm only bringing out these particular facts. Not that I'm telling you or a lot of people things that they didn't already know, but what becomes very disturbing to me, who was uh, about nine years old when Malcolm X was assassinated, and I remember the Sunday afternoon hearing the news because my parents would play the news, uh, well, they would play the radio, and the announcement came over the news, and I remember hearing it. And knowing that something terrible had happened, not really knowing much about Malcolm X, Uh, not really or any recollection time of that young and remembering, you know, hearing Malcolm or or some of the things. And actually, let me uh i i my my parents did have an album of the ballot or the bullet they did have that album and i'm not exactly sure how they how they how they got that i gotta go and and ask my mom uh as my stepfather has uh passed on but uh uh as I said, I had an uncle, and he may have given it to uh, my folks as a gift. Uh, the fact that uh, Malcolm was assassinated, it hit me. <clears throat> and... Uh, I don't remember how much longer after that, but I remember back then we used to play a lot of radio. I mean, I had a little radio, and I would go out my room, and I'd play the radio listening to music. And so uh, I distinctly remember hearing news, and I don't know, I doubt if it was on TV, but it was probably on the radio. And there was something that came on one night, or at least it kind of made me kind of feel afraid because they stated something about somebody who was called Karate Bob and 
something to do with Malcolm X. He was either one of the people who was a uh, member of the Nation of Islam at one point or something. And I don't know if he had left the Nation of Islam, if he had some uh, conflict with Malcolm or folks in the Nation of Islam. But the news announcement one of those old black and white movies that would have the uh, police or the newscast to say, be on the lookout for Karate Bob. You know, he's dangerous. He's armed and dangerous. And last scene in Brooklyn, you know, that's, that's what I recall. And it wasn't until I was maybe in my 30s that I heard that name again and that this person who was called Karate Bob had been killed in a train station a subway train station in New York City not too long after his release from prison. Ms. Keisha? Yes. Peace. Hey, sorry I'm late. Peace, love, and unity, everybody. No problem. Peace, love, and unity. Uh... Just kind of going over a little history here a little bit, and uh, feel free to jump in if you like. Uh, There's two other callers on the line uh, with us. I have a question. Yes, ma'am. This is Nora Mm -hmm. in in California. Um, I was wondering what the the topic of the this um session is are we just reviewing um the nation of islam history or i mean, i'm just wondering where we're going what you know we're, I, uh, I see going through the from the past to to the forward to the present uh i think we're coming to the present but I was just one. I, I didn't see what the topic was, so I'm just trying to pull it all together in my mind. Uh, yeah, pretty much uh, kind of uh, going over since this is uh, our first program after the Million Man March, and we've talked about it uh, over the months that we first heard about it, and uh, we've been talking about other things, basically the new code, which we call it, which is accountability and principles that we feel are necessary 
for us as a people to have as individuals, leaders, and anybody who exists in our communities, we're talking about accountability and principles. So, yeah, I've kind of made a short story long, perhaps, but Part of my, my, my point, and as I uh, kind of said not too uh, long ago, uh, was that what I find irritating is that certain things that have been put forward that we know are facts know are true, Malcolm was assassinated and three, only three people have served any time for his assassination, although only one of them claim to be a part of it because he was caught red-handed at the scene. There's video footage that shows somebody who's pointed out as being a suspect and actually one of the people who was arrested, there's somebody who's wearing a coat because it was winter time, a winter coat, and a similar hat to what this brother was wearing when he was arrested. And although you can't see the face, you see uh, the coat and the hat as a scuffle is taking place after the shooting of Malcolm and those who were a part of that tried to escape the Audubon ballroom and members of Malcolm's organization and people who were there tussled, and even shot Talmadge Hare, which was was the one who uh, was being involved. And uh, one of the other people who supposedly is still walking around today, who was supposed to be the one with the sawed-off shotgun, is seen in the video footage very dubiously excuse me if if you are everybody's welcome on the line if you, until you get ready to speak, please mute your phone. thank you, and so uh. 
that person was never arrested, although the name was brought up. And once again, the finger can be pointed at some of the people who were members of the Nation of Islam at the time, at least one of them, if you want to call Talmadge Hare as being one of them. The other two that were arrested were members of the Nation of Islam. Whether or not they were actually there, well, it's only a part in the hat with one of them. Uh, The fact that Malcolm talked about the Nation of Islam being infiltrated by members of different policing agencies during his time being in the Nation of Islam, is it any reason for people to intelligently think that if was infiltration back then that from that time until now there's not still such going on? I like to just speak on facts as opposed to just conjecture, but there's many facts that lay open, that leave a blood trail coming through the doors of the Nation of Islam. It's not a personal attack on anybody in particular. If you're part of the Nation of Islam, you know, not talking about you in particular, unless you're somebody who is involved in being a a government agent in some form or fashion, doing the work for them, or being a snitch, or being a flunky, because we know that there's been different people throughout our history who have uh, collaborated with the enemy for the downfall of our people. So anyway, uh, as I was saying, what's disturbing to me is that Malcolm has been physically assassinated, irregardless to whoever it was, but then to be verbally assassinated again and for people to recreate history with lies is unprincipled. And if we're talking about a cold, I could care less who is telling the lie. If it's me, make me confess the truth. 
Otherwise, you have no right saying anything to us as if you are a leader, as if you are a part of our community trying to do something for our community, for our people. So when I hear somebody who has never been arrested that I know of or been in prison, but I know Malcolm X has, I know Elijah Muhammad has, I know Huey Newton has, Bobby Seale has, I have, a lot of people I know who fight for us have. But you have to look suspect at a man when he's never been arrested or been put in jail or prison is what Winnie Mandela said back in the 1970s. And I think that's a universal truth when it comes to us. Because how can you exist on this planet and be a man, not call yourself a man, be a man and make a stand, not allow yourself to be intimidated, not let yourself and your family be unprotected, killed in the street, and you do absolutely nothing? Sure, the famous words is, oh, yeah, they, they, they got all the guns. We don't have none. I knew a brother who said, let's take their guns and be men. Take their guns and be men. Khaled said something like that, too. But when I hear somebody who has gone back and forth like a ping pong ball, whichever way the wind is blowing, whichever way might be a good way to get a gathering of people and rewrite history, and make some money at it so they can ride around in a fancy car and take care of this royal family that they call it. Oh, this one is married to uh, Elijah Muhammad's grandson, and this one is married to the daughter of one of the Wives of Elijah Muhammad. I ain't never heard Elijah Muhammad say he had no wives. Anybody listening, please correct me. I really would like to see, I would like to hear that. I would like to see, hear out of his mouth or see the video with him talking about that. I did find something earlier today where he was basically sound like he was backpedaling in regards to 
the stories about him having uh, children outside of his marriage. And sure, it's, it's a common thing amongst our people. But what should never be common is to come before our people and lie. And then lie while those who have told the truth are dead. And you slander their names to boost yourself as some great leader. I'm done, y'all. Yeah. <clears throat> I know you wanted to uh point out some things. Uh any anybody uh there's a couple of different callers on the line. Uh one from South uh South okay, Southern California. Okay, that's my sister there. And uh somebody from Utah uh Utah and New York. Is that brother uh Aries, the voice? I'm Rita. I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay, peace, my sister. Okay, you call him from Utah. Okay, peace, my sister. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. Peace, brother. Okay. I'm one of your Facebook friends. <laughs> yes, yes. I recognize your name. Okay. Glad to have you. Thank you. Caller from New York. Okay, secret listener. Okay, uh, yeah, Sister Rita, if, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to jump in, Sister Noah. No, I'm sorry, Brother Neb, that's me. That's me from New York. I had it on mute because okay. I'm all around a bunch of people, but that's me from New York, okay. Brother Neb. Brother Aries checking in. Yes, sir, Brother. Yes, Glad sir. it happened. Peace. Uh, anybody have anything they want to uh, elaborate on? Uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not the authority. I mean, I've seen things, I I, I know some things. I I have numerous videos, books, heard a lot of the lectures. I've been around certain people. One of the brothers who was uh convicted of uh the murder of Malcolm Norman Butler brother with the uh, coat and the hat. I had actually met him in, uh, I think, 1985 when he was released from prison. And uh, I spent some time being involved with him. And Didn't, you know, didn't go into a lot of questions or anything like that or whatever, but a uh, few different people, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to questions, comment, criticism, critique, all of that. Well, you know me, brother, Neb. I was pretty much on it. Um, I'm actually... Right now, I'm at a different studio right now because I wanted to check in on a different program that was going on where there was a, um, at the at the Million Man March, there was a, a spoken word artist named Mike Song, 
who's actually an affiliate of mine also um, from a group, not a group, but an organization called New Bronx City, which is out here based in the Bronx. And um, he works with the Justice League. And he went out there, uh, there speaking on behalf of the Justice League. And he did a spoken word piece, which is bugged out to me because, honestly, to me, his spoken word piece spoke more to me than what I got out of the of the of Farrakhan speech. Now, what I'm trying to do is I'm going to try to get speech to him after he finished doing his interviews on on the, on this um station right here. But mm-hmm. I really want to ask him because he was he was actually um going back and forth with the minister. This is one of the reasons why when I told you before, I told you one of the reasons why I actually wanted to go out there. I kind of wanted to go out there with him. Um, mm-hmm. and just like, but I ended up not going anyway. But I wanted to go out there with him just to get like a little sense. But he was he actually was working like hand in hand with the minister, and working um doing like little tours here and there. And I want to get I wanted to ask him because he said in his spoken word piece, which was actually very thoughtful. He said in his spoken word piece, he was trying to relay the the, the or else. So I want to ask him myself, honestly, because he said he was speaking to the minister and he was trying to relay the or else to to the youth. So in my eyes, I feel that if that's the case, then he must have gotten an idea of what the or else meant. So, I mean, after he finishes his interview, I'm going to try to actually ask him and speak to him and ask him what the what was what was his take on the or else. The same question I've been trying to figure out this whole week is what was his take on the or else, especially if you was there speaking with the minister. I actually want to know. So I'm actually happy that I'm here with him because I'm going to be able to speak to him. I'm, I'm, and obviously, you know, during the week, I'm going to be able to speak to you, and I'm going to let you know the answer to that. But we all saw it, at least, well, I hope that we all saw it. At least got a chance to tune in. Um, in accordance with what you were saying in the months coming up to this, like you said, there's no reason why people couldn't just watch the message as opposed to having it be everybody coming out there and spending their money and having all these white people making money off these buses and making money off all these food carts that were out there. And believe me, the white man made their money out there. They really yeah, did. Yeah, they did. Um, I've seen, white... seen a post where it says it was some, just an airfare and transportation fare alone. It mm-hmm. was close to $34 million. Mm-hmm. Um, that $34 million that was spent to go, that could have been spent in your respective area to build schools and build up your community. My whole thing is if you can call a million men to go to Washington and spend millions of dollars, why not, get, like like an said, give a speech and those those millions of dollars that were spent traveling to Washington could be spent rebuilding the black community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it, it was pointless, you know, for, my understanding from the video clips that I've seen, um, part, bits and pieces of the speech, is that the or else is God's wrath. And you know, I'm not I'm not a religious person. I, I'm not I'm not for that. I don't believe that there is a God or Allah. Um, I, my take on religion is that it was basically designed to control the minds of the masses. Therefore, as long as you as as long as you're practicing and participating in religious activities your mind will always be enslaved. You will never fight to liberate yourself as long as you wait for someone to liberate you. And um, since the beginning of uh, Islam, Christianity, Judaism, uh, people are still waiting. I'm Mm -hmm. just saying. Um, So with that being said, if, if all we're waiting for is the wrath of God, and God is the same person that says that we were vile people and we deserve to be enslaved. I mean, it, it just two and two together says that God ain't coming to save us, so we got to start picking up and doing for ourselves. <laughs> That's it. That's all. 
I, I don't see any other way that the problems that we need solved, that we need to find solutions to are going to be solved if we don't start meeting, coming together, and doing it in our in our areas, to build in our areas. I mean, if, if a million people can march to watch the man, a million, a million black men and women can come together in their areas and do what needs to be done in our community. We don't need a false leader to tell us this. If he was truly a threat, a lot of people say, you know, why is Farrakhan, uh, why hasn't Farrakhan had a hit put on him? Why hasn't he been assassinated? Because Farrakhan poses no threat to the American government. Black people as a whole, overcoming the mental enslavement that, that, that's upon us is a threat to the American government. But so long as they have a leader like Farrakhan that continues to press the weight on God issue, then he'll never be a threat. He will never be seen as a threat, and there will never be an attempt on his life. He'll never be incarcerated because he will always quell down the wrath of the one and true God, which is the black man and woman. Uh, I I honestly think that uh, Farrakhan is uh, entering early senility. (laughs) And I'm I'm not saying it, you know, like, you know, to just joke or to be fun. I, I really do. Uh, one of the things about people who lie, the truth eventually comes out. And when he made the presentation about bringing up uh, these different people who helped him build, helped him rebuild the nation of Islam, help them rebuild the nation of Islam like nobody else would. Uh, Nobody from Elijah Muhammad's family uh, wanted to rebuild the nation of Islam. Why is that? Because that wasn't the direction that they were supposed to be going in. But regardless, when he made that statement, uh, I forget exactly how he put it, but oh, he said uh, Elijah Muhammad went went to Mexico to sow his seeds like like me. Now that little like me means he got some bambinos uh, somewhere too, and I've heard. I've heard the stories. I've I've heard from people who, you know, have been a part of his nation of Islam, so they know his involvement. Uh, this other brother, Lance Shabazz, he had a video, and he took uh, quite a few of them down, but I think somebody still has that particular video, and I think I might have had even saved it because a lot of times people will post things and then they'll change their mind. Uh, like this brother Lance Shabazz talked about, you know, Farcon hooking up dates with Lola Falana and, you know, being down in Jamaica and in, in the Caribbean with uh, Calvin Lockhart hanging out and, you know, partying, you know. You know, I mean, nobody said the man got to be a, 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 monk, a monk, but you're presenting this image and you're trying to validate 
who you claim was your teacher, your leader, and you're now coming with, don't y'all do this, but, you know, little on the slide dropping uh, maybe as a Freudian slip or just being part of that senility. But when he started to talk about some people want to accuse me of the murder mouth, you know, you said out of your own mouth that a lot of what you said fanned the fly, fanned the, fanned the fire, fed the atmosphere that created uh, the assassination. Words are powerful things. It's, it's not a belief. I mean, I know it's true. You can say certain things, and because of what you say, you can bring certain things about. Not saying that in a spooky way, but for him to uh, say that and then talk about uh, as if, uh, I don't know if he really even said he apologizes, but he said something in one of the interviews with uh, Malcolm's oldest daughter. Uh, on a 60 minutes minutes segment where uh he said he 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 walked around with a picture of Malcolm with bullet holes in his chest in his pocket carried around in his pocket who does that shit a sick motherfucker if you you know but to say that to the daughter who said out of her own mouth that her and her mother were, and, and her sisters were in fear of the nation of Islam and the, and, and the possibility of, of getting killed. And you're going to tell her that while you sit there with your dark glasses on? What the fuck are you hiding? in a way it's it's kind of the intimidation that people that's in the nation of Islam tend to exhibit sometimes because they have this you can't talk about my God or you can't talk about my messenger you can't talk about Elijah Muhammad you can't talk about Farrakhan I can talk about whoever I want to talk about, you know? And I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell the truth, what I see. Right here, I'm doing my show, man. So for him to get up there and and then uh, when the incident happened with Betty Shabazz's daughter and she bit her tongue to make that whole facade. And I've met Betty Shabazz. I had the pleasure to uh, drive her from one of the uh, Malcolm X birthday memorial uh, parades in Brownsville 
to the Malcolm X Elementary School in uh, Brooklyn, in Bed-Stuy. And I got a little chance to talk to her. She told me how she felt. I mean, not that it was a secret, but she remained quiet for so long because that was a traumatic experience. You see your your husband killed in front of your face with your children, and then people want to brag about if he was our trader and we did what we what we did what we what a nation does with traders. You gonna get up there and brag about it, and then the next time around you're gonna try to act like oh yeah oh. Yeah, uh, I might have said something, but, you know, I loved Malcolm. With them crocodile tears. You talk about a hypocrite. I know I said something earlier, and people used to say back in the day, you know, Elijah Muhammad gave Lewis Walcott, I don't remember what his uh, X number used to be, but he gave him that name Farrakhan. I don't know anybody else named Farrakhan, but I know the name Khan is pretty much appropriate. And some people looked upon him as being the hypocrite that Elijah Muhammad was really talking about. He didn't leave any orders for him to take over the nation of Islam. But people rewrite history, and those who don't know it, don't take a minute to investigate it, want to go with the feel-good speech because it sounds good. Oh, he's fiery. Yeah, he, he, got a, he got a good gift to gab, no doubt. That was his name, the charmer, before he came to the Nation of Islam. And he's still a charmer. But all that lying as if Malcolm lied. Malcolm didn't lie to the people. But you could probably get like uh, a couple of volumes of encyclopedias of all the lies this dude done told over the years. He's 82 years old. From 1965 all the way up to today. But anyway... A lot of what we talked about was that what was going to be done, what was going to be the call? Was there any plan to organize people to do anything? To me, the Million Man March wasn't supposed to be just an anniversary for him. Is that what it was supposed to be? 
or was it supposed to be around justice for all the murders of our brothers and sisters over especially the last couple of years? I can't say that I recall hearing him mention anybody's name who was killed. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear the whole thing. I, I think I, I, I saw something that was like maybe uh, it might have been two hours, and I was surprised because it's like usually he speaks longer than that. So probably missed some, but what was posted, I don't recall him mentioning any of the names. Sandra Bland, Freddie, Freddie. Uh, uh, Freddie Gray. Freddie Listen, Gray. Bro- Brother Neb, none of that was addressed pretty much at all, and that's the only big problem that I pretty much... Well, it got cut off. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, uh, I mean, from what I heard so far, but, uh, you know... Who who does that? You rallying people based on crimes that's been done against our people by people who represent the government. And you're going to get up on stage before all these people. I don't know how many people was there. That's the other thing. Uh, but to get up before all of these people and talk about you're asking the government for land, for beans, trying to impress people with your mathematic abilities to figure out how many people and how many beans is going to take to feed a nation and how many cows to produce a certain amount of milk, milk and beans. I'm only focused on, on the exact things that he said because that's what he said. But a lot of people was happy. It looked like uh, just being there, you know. Some people walking around like, you know, oh, it was just an opportunity to network with other people. Some people selling things or telling each other about, you know, some of the things they're doing. But other than that, you know, it, it really didn't seem like any kind of plan in place to do anything. Gave out a number talking about, oh, 900 texts, and you can have an opportunity to be kept up to date what's going on. You could have did that before the march. I mean, what that's we should be impressed that you gave out a text number. But part of that is, you know, yeah, uh, you can 
make donations easily through through this uh, text number or something. Y'all can give your money to uh, these panhandlers if you want to. But the time has got to be up for the foolishness. We've talked about uh, co-oping. buy black programs where we purchase from each other and those who support us. I didn't hear a lot of mention or a lot of emphasis on that. There might have been some mention. I know a boycott of Christmas was mentioned and so much talk about Jesus, almost as if he was a Christian himself advertising for Christianity or something. To me, I think it's just a ploy to recruit people who may be disenfranchised with the church, which a lot of people, we grow up in the church. And as we get older, we get disenfranchised with it. Because we see it ain't going nowhere, it ain't doing nothing. Or it's not doing what it should be doing. Only to go to participate with something that you think is more revolutionary. And it's just some same old bullshit. The con game. So, Sister Nora. Yes, I'm here. Yeah, you fell asleep? Put you asleep? <laughs> no, just listening. Yeah, okay. Uh, you you were a member of the Nation of Islam back in the day, right? Not to. I came. I came into the the nation under uh, the Messenger's brothers, Prime Minister John Muhammad, in Detroit, and I was there till he passed away. Well, I I left a little before he passed away. Before before Elijah Muhammad passed away? No, before Supreme Minister John Muhammad passed away. So I was, you know, he never uh, left his his uh, brother's teachings, you know, like some did, some left. He never did. He kept it going in Detroit. And um, you said he never left left his brother's teaching or you meant his father's teaching? His brother. John John Muhammad is is what, Elijah Muhammad's brother? Yes, he was Elijah Muhammad's brother. He was there when... You know, Master okay. Brian Muhammad was there. He would tell us stories, you know, okay. about what happened then during that time. And, yeah, so he's, he was the messenger's brother. I think he's his younger brother. Okay. And so that's when I came in. Although I was around, you know, the, the Nation of Islam in Los Angeles was 
two blocks from my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, the captain lived in the alley around the corner from my house. His his daughter was my best friend. Who? who, and, who? Captain? Uh, Sharif. Sharif, Captain Sharif. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't remember, you know, his... his um, Anyway, he was the captain at Los Angeles Temple uh, back when I was in elementary school. So you know how son. Uh, I'm sorry, he, I didn't hear. Uh, I think his name was well. I knew him as uh, Imam Hassan of uh, the mosque, and uh, and uh, in LA there. What was that? Was it Central Avenue? No, it was on Broadway when 50, Broadway. 50, 56 and Broadway when uh, it was like it used to be like a uh, uh, like a theater or something, right? Yeah, it was a two story white building on Broadway. I don't know what it used to be because I mean you know I was really young then, but I used to walk up there on Sundays by myself and go to the temple because I liked it better than the church because I could understand a lot of the things that they were saying and I couldn't understand the preachers. So that was, uh, I've been around it for a while. And then I was taught Islam, my voice instructor was a minister for the messenger who started the Atlanta, Georgia temple. He said Mm -hmm. he started it in a, a funeral home. So um, that's who I studied with. And I came into the nation because of Supreme Minister keeping the teachings uh, as his brother had him, but basically because of the truth of the teachings, you know, that um, I could understand because I always wondered why were we in the condition we were in, and the Nation of Islam answered that question, you know. So, um, I mean, it, it explained our history, you know, it also explains that we as uh, uh, the black man and black uh, Asiatic, they say Asiatic, black man and woman are the gods and goddesses of this planet. You know, we are the mothers and fathers of civilization. So when they say that God is here, God is here, you know, but uh, I don't know how he means it. But, you know, we are here, so God is here. You know, we don't know who we are, so, you know, they always say we don't know our power. We don't know, you know, how to use it because we don't know who we are, but we have powers that we are not, you know, utilizing. So, um, you know, things are said on different levels, so you really, you know, I really don't know what he meant when he said that, um God is here, but God is here, and, you know, the uh, uh, Supreme Minister John Muhammad also said that there's going to be, America's going to go by fire, so, before he passed away, so, um, you know, I believe that we're in the judgment now, because the 400 years are up of our time here in, in this country, and Scripturally, we, we're the only people who fit that prophecy. So, I mean, those things are um, historically we fit, you know, those, 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 um, those um, 
biblical uh, tales. And we were also taught that Bible is like the Bible is 90% prophecy and 10% history. So a lot of all that stuff has happened prophetically. You know, Jews were never in bondage for 400 years, only us. So, you know, those things have to be taken into account. But you can't if you don't know, you know, what he's talking about. But, I mean, I I understand what the messenger taught and what his, his brother taught. So I'm looking at it at different, you know, different levels. So um, I'm just hoping that, you know, I, I, I don't, the Jesus thing, I don't get, you know, the messenger being Jesus, I, I, I don't get that. I thought that he said Master Fraud Muhammad was the second coming of Jesus. So I don't know how the messenger can be Jesus now. I don't I don't quite get that. And Farrakhan can be the com- comforter because the messenger would have been the comforter if Master Fraud Muhammad was Jesus. So just looking at it prophetically, those 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 things don't really fit in 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 my calculations of you, of, you said um, you said looking prophecy. at it you said looking at it prophetically yeah prophetically or prophetically prophetically you know it's prophesizing it's the prophesizing of of the the uh, second you know the second coming of Jesus and um. The first coming was supposed to, you know, have been back in the day, and I guess with the black Jesus that we thought was white, but who's really black, I, I guess. Because uh, I read that the messenger said that Master Muhammad was the second coming of Jesus. So if he was the second coming of Jesus, then that, what would that make the messenger? You know, that would make him the comforter. That's who comes after after um, after Jesus, he said, "After me, that will come the Comforter." So um, I know it probably makes a lot of people crazy. <laughs> anyway, I just didn't. I, I didn't go along with that. But you know, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to. You know, if Faircon is the one that's out there now, and in my mind, you know, this can be. Uh, um, an event used for, you know, a good purpose for us to unify and and um, plan and 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 you know different communities coming together and you know we we need to stop accepting you know the okie doke start stop accepting you know the the lies that we know are lies and stop accepting our people being murdered in the street by you know uh so-called law enforcement who are you know um killing people who are unarmed clearly unarmed you know it's it's just wrong you know and in my opinion you know this can be a catalyst regardless of you know, I, I like the idea of the Native Americans saying, let's unite, you know, together we're many, you know. Um, just a, a beauty of the whole thing that that uh, the unity that was displayed by the people who were there for for reasons of, you know, being tired of, of, of seeing brutality, senseless brutality, you know. 
So um, that love and, and, and that, that possibility, I think that we should capitalize, you know, with Farrakhan or without him. You know, and that's really what I think because uh, we are the mothers and fathers of civilization. So what are we going to do? Are we just going to keep, you know, accepting and getting upset and getting mad? Or are we going to be ourselves and do what we got to do, you know, to um, protect our, our, our interests and protect our our people and our uh, uh, communities, you know, and 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 then take it further than that, you know, because uh, you know we come from great great kingdoms, you know, we don't we don't come from slavery. That is not that was just a a burp, you know. Should be we should be moving on now. And and you know, trying to surpass what our ancestors did because, um, well, you know, nothing can stop us. Who can stop us? I mean, I know they tried, but we're still here. So you know, we can get busy and start doing what we have to do and coming together and thinking, you know, community town hall meetings, whatever for communities to brainstorm on what we can do and what we should do to protect our communities. If it's brothers, you know, getting out and, and, and you know, doing neighborhood watches and keeping the police, uh, do what the police do before the police get there. So the police don't have to come and, and you know, do what they do. We can do it. You know, we can hopefully, you know, we could talk to people who are in our communities who live there or who should not be there and tell them to get gone or, you know, whatever we have to do. But we need to protect our own and we need to stop fighting and each other and, you know, in the name of us. Mm-hmm. That's the way I see it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Brother, Harry, is you back on? Yeah, I'm back up. I'm back up. Um, I actually got a chance to speak to the brother, but but the phone wasn't really off. I don't know why I haven't, but it cut off. But um, honestly, um, his his or else, uh, hold on, let me. What the show? His show is actually what's it called? The Matrix Studio. Each and every Wednesday. From nine to ten seven. Well, I'm gonna let him get. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let. Um, my, my DJ give you information on the show that you could catch, and then I'm gonna give it. Um, the information on what he gave me now. Is a, a, a name. It's on the general who actually spoke in there March. Um, he did a spoken word piece. He looked it up. Um, he had. He was interviewed on a show called New Book. At the Matrix Studio, um, did, um, my DJ. So your, your phone is going in and out, uh, Aries. Are you, uh, at the 
I'm my son's DJ. My son's the general who spoke at the Million Man March. If those who don't know. Yo. Hey, say your name again, brother. Yeah. Right, my phone. Hello? Yeah, it's kind of going in and out, so. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm at it's kind of bad reception, but basically, um, I don't know if I hope you got the information on where you could find it because he, he was interviewed about his what he was speaking on at the Million Man March. And like mm-hmm. I said, I was able to ask him after he finished his interview um, what his what the ministers or else was, was being that he was with the minister. Um, he actually went in to proceed to talk about black unity and us um, buying black and, um, you know, just the same stuff pretty much that we've been hearing before. So I actually told him, I said, well, honestly, I've been doing this for a while. And this Christmas boycott and stuff, um, this is nothing that's new. So other than that, really, like, I understand that's what he told you, but that's nothing really new under the sun as far as an RLs. I understand that's, my, that's what he took it for as an RLs. But as far as I'm concerned, that's pretty much the same that we've been, we do every year. We do, we try to do a Christmas boycott every year. So what I was trying to actually get from him was to see what was supposed to be the plan moving forward. But before I was able to actually get that question, um, he was started attending to his, his kids. And, you know, he, he I, I basically, I didn't get it. I didn't, basically, I didn't get that answer. So from the question that I did ask, what was Mr. Farrakhan's or else? And from a person who's around Mr. Farrakhan, I'm not being biased. I'm not being judgmental. I asked the question to a person who was around the brother, brother Mr. Farrakhan. Simple question. And the answer that I got was the answer that I've been getting pretty much for every year, which was a Christmas boycott, people buying black and um, putting their money back into black businesses, which I am all for. I'm not against that at all. At all, but that's not to me what a justice or else means in my own in my own uh, opinion. So that's pretty much what I just had to say as far as me coming back on that. I wish I could have had him on the air at the time, but I don't know what happened to the phone. But that's pretty much the gist of what he said. Mm-hmm. Seemed like seemed like the or else was we're gonna ask you for some land so we can separate. <laughs> that's. That's that's the only thing I got out of it was uh, we're gonna have some land which is about the biggest as big as California and we're gonna leave but within America because I don't want to leave America because I'm here. That's what I got out of that. Don't tell me to leave because I'm here, but I want some land here. So we're gonna leave. Which I'm not opposed to. To starting our own black, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm opposed to it. I'm not. I'm not opposed to starting our own black nation. I'm not. What I am opposed to is begging and asking. Exactly. That's what I'm opposed to. And then to talk about milk and beans as if uh, milk by itself. I mean, most of us don't drink milk. You know. Yeah, like, for real. I mean, we like lactose intolerant. Uh, <laughs> talking about giving us some milk and some beans. Was he really joking? It was that supposed to be a joke? Mm-hmm. 
you know, people eat 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 uh, bean pies with milk, with a glass of milk maybe, but not no damn bean soup and no milk. I mean, so well, my question would be, so he he's uh, begging for this land. Is it to expand the nation of Islam, or is it to uh, start a black nation for all black people? You know, um, I'm deaf. I, I I I'm not for religion. Religion does not apply to my life. It doesn't work in my life. But for those, I mean, it wouldn't stop me from unifying with someone who, you know, we are, there's one thing about it for sure. No matter what your religious beliefs are, your sexual preference, uh, or, or anything else, you know, if you're, you're melanated, you're targeted. Um, and if you were fighting the same fight, I unify with any one of my brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, as long as we have the same, the same goal. And that's the revolution. That's to, to liberate our people. Um, you know, my question is, is when, you know, while he's begging for this land, is it just to expand uh, the nation of Islam uh, for people who practice the Muslim belief? Or, or is this something that he's doing for everyone? Because it's, that he's definitely not biased to taking all of our money. Well, let's, let's just look at the whole question or the statement. You're going to ask for land. You're going to ask. People People kill us every, every day, and you're going to ask for land? Really? Exactly. I mean, Frederick Douglass said power concedes nothing without a demand, so you're not even demanding anything. You 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 come in, yeah, like a beggar, you know? Mm-hmm. I went to uh, pick up some uh, something to eat earlier. And grown men, oh, uh, can you give me a dollar? What? You a dollar for what? You a grown man. One of them was uh, like he was drunk. If you had money to go and drink or get yourself high, now you want some, you want a what, a dollar for some food? Really? You want me to buy you a sandwich? Yeah, that's what he actually said. Uh, Can you buy me a sandwich? Really? You're a grown man. You look like you're older than me. You know, wasn't like you just dressed, you know, dressed dirty or anything. People have lost their mind. But uh, anyway, uh, we're running down on time here. And uh, once again, uh, It's good to have uh, Sister Nora join us and uh, Sister Rita, my Facebook friend. It was a pleasure being here. And and one 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 of your one of one of your friends uh, started making some comments about a uh, sister who was uh, critiquing Farrakhan's uh, Million More March, and. Uh, she started throwing up all these questions before I got on uh <laughs> before I got on the air. I'm like, you know, yeah, you can come, you know, come get on the program. You got questions, you wanna talk about it. You wanna hide hide behind a computer. Play shy or whatever. But it's almost like, you know, a dog, you got like a vicious dog. 
A dog will be mean, but when that dog taking a shit, it's like you can kick him in his ass. You're going to finish taking that shit first. So you got time to run. You can get a good kick in the ass for you. Well, he dropped his load. <clears throat> well, I don't want to say anything negative about anybody that <laughs> may be behind, uh, you know, Farrakhan or see his work as positive. You know, I, I can't do that. I, I see her as a very intelligent person, and I know her heart is in the right place. So, you know, we sometimes we differ. We have to agree to disagree. But uh, I still think that this movement can be, you know, a positive thing if we, if we, you know, um, market it correctly and and motivate our people correctly. You know, we we have the possibility of uniting with, you know, all the different uh, reservations and tribes and, uh, you know. Well, uh, black in Haiti and here and there. Everybody, you know, that was there. I'm sorry I didn't see Africa there. I know they were there, but I'm sorry I didn't hear from them. I didn't think that was a good idea. But anyway, that's what it was. But, you know, I would have liked to hear from them. But the the, the unity, you know, it, it felt good. It feels good. And I hope we can do something, think of something to keep it going and not let it, not let it just, be like the the last twenty years ago, you know, but use it and keep motivating, keep you know pushing on and and getting inspired to do greater things, you know, um, coming together. I I think if we can do that, I think this can be a good thing that happens uh, for all of us, you know, people of color. Honestly, I would love to see that, but it's like, no buts. Don't say but. Just, just you know, think of it. Think of it for a while, and think how we can use it. You know, don't 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 say it can't happen because it can. Anything can happen, my sister. Anything can happen, but the one thing is, and I don't know how how many times you listen to us, but a lot of times I've been trying to be more. Oh, pacifist in my ways, and at the same time, it's like I understand what you're saying, and that's a good part. The great part about it is the unity. But what I'm going to say is going to sound kind of morbid, and I want you to just, I want you to just, uh, uh, as I say, feel. I just want you to just feel me. People gather in unity, families during mourning, during a lot of funerals, unfortunately, and a lot of times. It's like, you know what, damn, we need to start gathering more like this because we're tired of seeing each other at funerals and we're, 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 it's the best time we have it and we're all coming together. But then you know what ends up happening a lot of times? The next time y'all all see each other again like that is at the yeah, next funeral. Yeah. Unfor- unfortunately. And that's the harsh reality of these same movements is that it rolls the same way. The, 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 the same – now, I'm good, my brother. The, the, same, the same thing that was going on the same 20 years ago why haven't we moving forward to the point where that unity has done something to where 20 years from now we're able to move forward from where we were 20 years from then? That's the question. I, I, now, now when I you hear you. or else, when you hear or else, hold on, let me just finish one second. I'm, I'm going to be almost done. 
when you hear or else understand the unity with the unity part is the beautiful thing. But when you but when you actually put a title on something saying that this is justice or else during a, a, a period of which in two years we've lost so many black lives to police brutality. And during this um, speech where you're talking about or else, none of this brutality that was done upon your people is mentioned. That's the only, that's where you're going to get certain backlash because you have a bunch of people that were waiting for orders to see if we didn't get justice, what were our orders to do mm-hmm. if, if, there were, if there was an or else? Because we want to know when there's not justice for us, what are we going to do? What is our or else? Because we don't know what to do. A lot of us really don't. There's people that's congressmen that they want to have their part, but really the people that, that, that's supposed to be dealing with this, as we speak of the, prote- the, the proletariats, the real people of the streets, the real people who, who's, who's doing the groundwork, these people that, who are really waiting for the word. And so when you have these people that are spending all this money to get to these places and do all these things, waiting for all else and waiting for the mission, and the mission doesn't necessarily get drawn out, that's, the pro- that's, where, I'm gonna, that's, that's where I'm going to have a problem with it because it's like you're letting us know that there is going to be a mission statement. And me being a Marine or former Marine, but once a Marine, always a Marine, me being a Marine, once you tell me there's going to be objectives, I'm expecting my objective. I'm not only am I expecting my primary objective, I'm expecting a secondary objective. There was not one objective or directive necessarily given. There were things drawn out, but there wasn't no real directive given as opposed to as opposed to just a Christmas boycott, which I was expecting. If, if, if you, you heard any speeches, we were expecting these. So other than that, that's the only problem I have with it. I I, we love the black unity, but that's the only problem I have with it. Let me ask you this one question. Did you think you were going to get an or else on the, the nationwide television? Did you think it was going to come out like that? You know what's funny? It wasn't on nationwide television. It was on one channel, C-SPAN. That's it. It wasn't even on the black entertainment channel, supposed black entertainment channel. But you have all black these riots. Entertainment that... isn't owned by blacks anymore. So. And, yeah, that's, and that's cool. Oh, that's, cool. that's cool. But at the same time, when you have it riots, really when you have, regardless whether it's black entertainment or not, when you have riots, you see black riots across mm-hmm. the nation on C-SPAN, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, every channel, New York One, Mars 12, everything. But yet you have somebody who's, who's calling for black unity and the supposed black channel doesn't even cover it. You have to look for it on C-SPAN. It well, took me a couple of hours until to find out. So therefore, but, it wasn't but, even nationwide. But it was uh, or else. Maybe they didn't want to hear the or else, or they didn't want to promote it, and they didn't want to, you know, have a, a riot all over the United States, so they wanted it. But why not? And it's, well, and it's, exactly. It's, it's, why my sister, why, why not? there be a riot all exactly. over the United why States? Not? If they continue to kill us, why shouldn't we tear up their stuff? Why shouldn't it be a call for every black person in America to, to so wreak havoc upon the system? I understand why we should promote it, but I'm talking about the people who are in control of of the media. But then why call it that? But then why call it that, my sister? I understand what you're saying, but if that's the case, if that's the case, then why call it that? Oh, what, what? Oh, then why call it just why call it or else? If that's the case, give it a different mission statement. But when you give it a mission statement or else, and an or else is not given, that's all I'm saying. I'm not I'm not actually I'm not even, I'm not even going against anything that you're saying because what you're saying is true and valid. 
My only point is that if a directive is given and you're saying this is my mission statement, then you can't draw back on it and say, okay, I was going to give you an RLs, but I'm not going to give you an RLs because I'm worried about the backlash that's going to happen if I give an RLs. That's what I'm saying. Because you have people that invested a lot of money into this to, to hear an RLs. I'm, I'm just trying to. You know, I'm just trying to give out a possibility of why the or else wasn't given at that time. It may it may come. We got it. You know, maybe we, he's waiting to see if they're gonna change their ways. You know, if they're gonna stop. You know, killing. Them. I think I, I think I mean no no disrespect because the unity a million black people unifying is a beautiful thing. I agree with you. Always. Always. Thing. Anytime you can get a million black people together on something positive, it is a beautiful Always. thing. Okay, but when you call a million black people, as you said, with an agenda, but there is actually no agenda, uh, no agenda uh, to put forth, to put into action, there's no plan of action, well, then what was the point? You sold a bunch of wolf tickets. Now, mm-hmm. if you worried about backlash, people were ready. The, you know, like people were ready. I think people, um, people been training. That's what that, I'm they've been prepared. Why should we keep marching? Why should we keep asking them to stop being savages and brutalizing our communities? Why do we have to keep begging for basic human rights? Why? Why do we have the, to keep asking? Why do we keep marching? Why do, and it's every time we march, 20 years, the, from 20 years ago to 20 years today, the 20th anniversary, nothing has changed. We march for the civil rights. We march for we we marched and we marched until the soles of our shoes are worn down. When are black people gonna stop? And at that point, white people look at us as a joke. We constantly oh we we gonna kill another nigger. What they gonna do? March. What they gonna do? Pray. But you know what? When they don't start giving to them what they giving to us. They'll stop. They don't they, say they're going to kill them. They say they're protecting the community. You know, that's what they say. They don't say, oh, we're just going to go out and kill blacks. So they they say they're, they're you know, peace officers. They're, that's what they say. So, you know, that's what I, you, whatever we do, we have to be as wise. You know what I'm saying? You, we have to be wise. We just can't come out and say, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to take up arms and we're going to, you know, go to war. Well, one, one, one thing I've noticed about our people, we always like to, uh, when it comes to people who are these celebrities who, once they come under fire for their uh either being unprincipled or falling short of what they could be doing because if there if there is a plan if there was a plan I would love to see that I would love to be a part of that but the thing is historically we have seen the same thing over and over again Farrakhan is 82 years old He's been amongst us and has the opportunity. He has, you know, he has the ability to gather people. You know, he has a voice that, you know, people people like to hear him speak. If he's saying, the, the, you know, if he's saying things that's, that's honest, 
And that has to be the crux of any unity is honesty. And he's not doing that. And I think probably as as long as he's not being honest, he's never going to produce anything of any substance. Y'all can say, you know, oh, he had three million man march up, turned out all these, you know, what, what was that? Malcolm lived a shorter life and he did much more in impacting our people than Farrakhan has done in all his 85 years. Okay. Somebody got on, 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 on a post talking about, oh, y'all want to follow dead leaders and all this kind of stuff. You know what? They have all I these vampire dead leaders. The walking dead, people, people walking around like they dead. Just because somebody ain't in a casket don't mean they ain't dead. If you ain't going to get up off your feet, then take your dead ass home. Mm-hmm. I, I think we need, we need to, you know, get our, our, our best minds together, and we need to come together, and we need to plan a plan. We need to talk. We need to, you know, chart our course, our best mm-hmm. minds. Somehow come to get them together, and and then you know, the west, the east, the south, let's come together in the middle or somewhere, and let our brilliant minds, you know, figure this out, and then we follow what they, you know, what they hash out, or they bring it back to us, and then we discuss it or tweak it or whatever, and then we move forward. You know, that's what I'm saying. We we can use this unity to, to to get our agenda done, regardless. I mean, some, some know, of if, us. if we have like what you're doing, you could call you could call people to 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 unite and and to call you people, uh, doctors, uh, uh, leaders, uh, panthers. Uh, you know, let's come together and let's. Let's have a meeting. And I think and um, I think all of the real the real revolutionary blacks are dead or in prison. The ones who would have led a million people with an agenda or else the government knew what to do with them and, mm-hmm. and they're they're no longer walking this earth because they posed a real threat because they had people who real soldiers who were ready when they gave a mission statement of justice or else the or else part would have been if we don't receive justice for the murders, if the if there is not a complete and total overhaul of the justice system, if we are if the mass incarceration does not stop, if you don't stop gunning down our brothers and sisters in the streets who are unarmed, you're gonna pay the price, and the price ain't gonna be we're gonna stop spending our money. Yes, I, I believe we should only spend with blacks, but 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 that ain't the only thing. That's not thing. going to stop people. Stop police by brutality. many means necessary. We're gonna stop spending our money. We're gonna stop this. We're gonna stop that. We're gonna start this. We're gonna start that. More than one thing, we can do a lot of things. But we have to figure it out what we're gonna do, and we have to do it together. You know, here, there, on the east, on the west. You know, in the center. That's a, that's. You know, let's think of how we can come together. Let's think how we I can think, get oh, our, I think more get than our minds what, together. What what our people don't want to face is that anytime 
that an oppressed people won liberation, there were casualties. We don't want to face and accept the fact that we are at war and the war has been waged against us, and we are going to have to fight back and stop praying back. We're going to have. It's going to take. It's going to take. Um, more than marching, it's going to take more than stop spending our money. It's going to take a combination of all those things and I agree. Force. I agree. Um, I agree. We are, we, and we're you not, had a million people you know, there not, who feels the same way. They feel that. That's why they came. So they ain't all incarcerated. They were there. And it was a lot of us who wanted to go and couldn't get there for various reasons. So... You know, they're there, and they're tired, and they want to do something, and they want direction. And that's why they were there, and, and that's why we're fussing now, because we didn't hear no direction. But we got, we, got, we got wise, smart brothers and sisters out here. We got people in the Panthers. We got, we got different organizations that, you know, we could, if we can get the heads together, then we could, we can figure something out. We got people on the East Coast that are, you know, I see them on YouTube talking stuff all the time. And they sound serious. But that's another thing, though. The Panthers weren't even allowed to speak. Um, Brother Malik Zulu Shabazz posted on his Facebook um, probably maybe an hour, no, I would say the day before, I should say, saying that that's when he got the news, saying that he was actually saddened that Malik, Brother Malik Judah Shabazz, nor the National Black the New Black Panther Party, was able to speak. So I actually, I actually wanted to hear from them also, but they weren't even able to speak. And that Native American that was talking about, let's get together, and together we're 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 uh, more than them. We're we're mightier. They took him off. They only gave him five minutes. You know, so. They're out there. People are out here who want to make a change, and they're ready to make a change. We just got to figure out how to how to to communicate, how to reach it's, each other. It's, it's, well, part of it is just realizing that a lot of this stuff is just show. It's for show. It's not about really doing anything. It's about it wasn't about show for me. It wasn't about show for the people who came, who were who were there standing in oh, the heat the people, cold. The people, it wasn't about shelter for them. I'm, but what, that's but what, what I'm, I'm talking what, about. What I'm saying, Nora, is that the people are coming because they want to do something. No different exactly. than I said earlier when I came into the Nation of Islam because I, I thought it was an opportunity to do something. But I found out that it wasn't happening. It's not going on. Those well, do we are not trying to point in any kind of direction that's taking us anywhere. So those who have the ability to reach a lot of people are not giving any, any like, like Aries just said, they're not giving anything, any, any plans, or, or they don't have anything set up to do anything because it's just a show. You know, it's a performance. Everybody can do that. They in ties and bow ties and uniforms, and you know they do the same thing all the time. It's like you know who goes to a fight, okay? You in a war and you going in suit, suit and tie, talking about justice or else? Really? Those you you saying fighting words, but you come in like you going, 
Like you're going to a damn party or something, or you're going to a mm-hmm. wedding, you know? It ain't, okay, it ain't, well. It ain't even like the Crips of Blood say, you know, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dress in a tuxedo because, you know, I may walk down the street and I might get killed so they can just put me in the coffin straight up like that. You know, it ain't like that. They ain't going to bust a great. That's the history of the Nation of Islam. Pen okay, so how, how, do, how do we reach the people that are, are, are ready to do something, and, and, and what do we do? Let's think gotta, about that. You just got to do it. There, there was, there you, was you somebody, I, talked about it, I talked about it last week, and I didn't get a chance to look it up, but next week I'm going to bring it. Somebody uh, in uh, Pittsburgh was having a uh, community uh, gathering where they planned on doing some things. I want to get them to talk about what they did as a follow-up and showing how that can be a, a template for everybody across the country to do wherever they are because we are suffering from the same things, and a lot of us already know things that work. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You ain't got to do fancy mathematics, how many beans it's going to take, you know, for a certain amount of land and how many cattle. You know, you ain't got to play all these little mind games. You know, it's a bunch of bullshit. You know, it's simple things like just brothers coming out, getting together out on the street and making their presence felt. Exactly. If, if, you know, I think, it, you know, community, uh, a, a community police task force, black people in our yeah. community are police to police. I'm not talking about That's going right. and saying, you know, oh, we're going to we're going to police our neighborhoods because, the, you know, the city, they're going to keep that. They, they want their tax dollars. That's it. You know, that, that's you know, that's the reality of it. But we need to have our people out there policing the police. We need to have a community number in every city and every state and every black I community. Agree that you can call when you get pulled over by the police and someone can be there to police the police because we have, we're going to have to start and and by any means necessary, we have to start protecting our own. We can't look for a government that never had, we're not even humans. We were Chattel, we're Chattel property. We're never, we were never humans. The human rights and, and, and the constitution was, and the laws of this land were never fit, were never written to include, Black people, people of African descent. We were, we when those laws and the Constitution was written, we were in chains. So you know, dang on well, that there was nothing written to to protect our rights as our human rights. I agree. So to think that today that something has changed is it, it, just a new slick, conning way that people are under the illusion that we can march and somehow our, just our presence is going to make these people stop killing us. We marched 20 years ago. We marched 50 years ago. We marched hundreds of years. And, and it hasn't changed. And our people are still change. being murdered. Things have changed. We have, we have progressed. We have made changes. Marching helped then. But it comes a time when you have to stop marching it, and, if, you know, you have to do something different. Well, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of things that need to be done and a lot of things we can do. But those who are holding the reins, who got the microphone, who got the power, they ain't, you know, they ain't trying to do it. It's like it's like they're being paid to hold our people back. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's really annoying 
to, you know, like I said, it's like, you know, you see the same thing time and time again. Uh, the first Million Man March was about what? Atonement. Why? Because Farrakhan felt guilty about assassination of Malcolm X, and he called it atonement. Uh, you know, said some other stuff. Oh, yeah, go back and take care of your families and all this kind of stuff. But, I mean, it really, it really just seems like, you know, disappointment after disappointment. But part of, you know, he, he made this little call like, oh, yeah, uh, if you're here tomorrow, you can come see me at the hotel and all this kind of and stuff. And maybe they did. Yeah. Maybe they did get together at the hotel. Maybe they did yeah. have some talk yeah, about things that they couldn't talk about I mean, on, on, on the, the TV camera. He, he, and maybe we're going to hear about it, you know? He, I mean, he, it's only been a week or a few days, Nora, right? No, no, no. From my own experience, that's what he typically does. When I was in California back in 79, 80, he was at the, the hotel before he reintroduced the Nation of Islam. He wanted to get a feel. He wanted to, you know, let people know, oh, he was coming, whatever. And all this is is just a move to get more more uh, members in his ranks. That's all. Recruiting tool. Huh? I said recruiting tool. Yeah, right. That's all. Well, that was my 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 uh, question too. When he was calling for members, I was wondering if he was just calling for people to come and work, or did you have to join to 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 be a part of the the fearless oh, ten thousand? Sure, you know, I'm, that was not I'm, clear. I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll have something where you can keep coming because he's hoping that you're going to come and sure, if you come, you're going to be around. They're going to take a collection and, you know, he's going to make money off. Well, is that the 10000 he's calling for, his members? I, that's what I don't know. He said he wanted 10000 fearless men mm -hmm. and women. I, I'm wondering, you know, See, do you have to become a member or, or is he just calling for people to come? And and you know work part, with him. Part of it, part of it is to sound like you're gonna do something, and you're just you're just presenting yourself so ambiguous because you're saying, oh, justice or else. What okay. is that or else? So some brothers might think, oh, okay, well, you know, you know what? Yeah, these guys are serious. Let me go and you know, oh the. The longer, you know, the, the, the more you be around and, you know, the more dedicated you are, the more you find out a little more or the, or the higher up and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's a game. People, people go and play that if you want to in probably less than 10 years. You know, you won't even be there that long. You're doing all kinds of crazy stuff that don't make no sense. It is making sense for him and for Scientology and all that kind of stuff. But, you know. We on the bottom. We ain't we ain't getting nowhere from none of that. It ain't doing nothing for us. All them brothers that he got walked around in the uniforms and everything, they could be out on the corner with their newspaper. Bring your newspaper out and make a presence in the community. They don't even do that. You barely see one or two brothers. This is New York City. How many times you think you see brothers out? I, I seen. Let me see. In the last week, one brother at a train station by himself trying to sell bean pies in the newspaper, probably trying to sell more of the pies than anything because he had them stacked up there. 
But, you know, they don't really go out, don't seem to be no kind of real motivation to go out in the community and interact and help the people as opposed to just, you know, get your little shit off. Oh, shit. Dave. That's it. Been there. But well, you know, we, we, we do what we do, and, you know, it, it's going to take, you know, almost like a door-to-door effort for us to get involved they, uh, here here in Newark. They're having a meeting this coming, uh, this coming weekend. The mayor, Ross Baraka, uh, Mary Baraka's uh, son, Mary Baraka passed away uh, the other year. You know, uh, the late Mary Baraka. But you gonna be there? I'm gonna be there. And they talked right. about. I, I was on the bus, and there was a flyer on the on the floor. You know, calling for young people to come out. We want to hear what you have to say. What you know? What would you like to see? That's what needs to be done. Yes, I agree. You know, but you know. Final card. Ain't nobody buying the final card newspaper. I mean, sure, some people might buy it, but you know, nobody buying that. I'm gonna buy the final final card. You are gonna buy the final final card? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed this. I enjoyed you all. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Thank you. For joining, and uh, yeah, we'll be back. But uh, yeah, we're gonna follow up on some things. I mean, with or without Farcon, you know, one monkey don't stop no show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That the 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 movement, it's the movement. It's not the the individual. It's the movement that's important. It's the people who are galvanized that are important. And that's what I'm saying. We we need to try to figure out a way to to you know to keep the fire going and 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 you know get them involved because they want to do something. They they mm-hmm. they're looking for leadership. People want to do something, yeah. But you know the thing is, you know, if you got some bullshit lined up, you know, people are gonna get frustrated with it. That's why people say, oh, you know, we tired of marching or you know this and that don't work, you know. Because they, they seem, you know, to go where, you know, it's going nowhere, you know. You got to be addressing, you know, the needs of the people. Okay, I'm going to text you some things that are on my mind, but I, I got to go. <laughs> good, good night, everybody. All right, peace. My peace, peace, love, and unity. Peace and good night, sister. Good night. All right, peace. peace. All right, y'all, any last comments or whatever so we wind up out of here. Sister Rita? No, I'm, pre- no, I'm pretty much done as far as I'm concerned. I, um, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for next week, honestly. This this this, this week has been pretty stressful. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and just looking on down the line, you know, things, we know things is going to get rough. Come this time next year, things is going to get rough. Believe that. Uh, they got this election coming up, selection or whatever. You know? It ain't the gonna selections? Be nice. It ain't going to be nice. 
You mean the selection because it's already we they yeah. already know who it is. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they know who they want already. Mm-hmm. I think it's somebody with a with a with a funny looking uh, top piece there. Mm-hmm. It'll be horrible. Mm-hmm. Like Big Bird or something. Well, y'all have a good one. Stay safe. Don't buy no wooden nickels. Oh yeah. And don't eat no and don't eat no bean soup with with a glass of milk. (laughs) (laughs) Peace, my brothers and sisters. Peace, peace, y'all. Peace, love and unity, everyone. All right. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.